Episode one of Sweet Disruptors. We are your co-hosts, Gabriella Hoffman. And Anna Maria Hoffman. And today we're going to talk a lot about small business, why we left the traditional workplace for the gig economy, and a whole host of other issues, and maybe even a little bit on net neutrality, which is such a big issue. But we're excited to finally bring this to you all, and what are you looking most forward to the series, sis? I guess telling people... Well, for one, that you can go into um, freelancing and entrepreneurship without having to be over 30 years old. <laughs> that and also without having to have a formal education or formal training in it, right? Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. I am definitely have embarked on a career change where I don't need to go back to school to do what I want to do. Yeah, That's and awesome. I think people are realizing that they don't have to necessarily have their college degree reflect mm -hmm their desires and, and the environment and industry that they want to work in. Your, your right. college degree doesn't dictate what you do, essentially. Mm -hmm. And more and more people are realizing that. And we both have worked in politics, and Anna Maria's worked in the ad agency industry, and we've worked in media and comms and all this. And we re I think we reached the boiling point, especially the summer of 2016, when everything was politically crazy, Yes, <laughs> as you all know. <laughs> That it was time for a change and we had taken opportunities after staying at some relatively stable jobs that were not good fits for us. And we realized that, you know what, heck, we're going to go on our own and we're going to try this big, bold thing of being small business owners and solopreneurs. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's been, there is a great risk with doing it, but I think it's more fulfilling in the long run. Like what Gabriella said, I I think we got, I got burnt out. I know that for sure. Um, and I just wasn't growing what I wanted to do. And I, there was really no, I guess, niche within the conservative movement for what I'm interested in doing, which is design and web development. So, and it's very the, small. The political industrial necessary. complex. I mean, we've lived in the Washington, D.C. area for about half a decade. And without, you know, divulging too many deep secrets, if you're an innovator, if you're someone who really wants to carve your own space and you don't really follow follow a certain way or you don't go according to a one-size-fits-all approach, you're going to be undermined in this city. And yeah. we've seen it. We've witnessed it firsthand. We've had friends who've been burned out by the industry. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, in, in our political sector, they didn't like innovation. They didn't no. like... Innov uh, ingenuity and they didn't like seeing young people attain higher ranks with yeah. a few exceptions of course but for the most part if you were outspoken you had interesting ideas you were told you're too ahead of yourself right and they didn't like people who have principles as well yes it's always rewarding the person that maybe they were the donor uh, or sorry not the donor but the the <laughs> child of the donor to the candidate or or nonprofit or whatnot right. um yeah. And you would think with it, with conservatism being a meritocracy-based political philosophy, you would see people rise more so not because of favors or because they simply know someone or just have the connections. This is a very network-heavy town, yeah. but you need to have the talents to back it up. But they don't live up to that expectation. No, they And don't. it's so frustrating, and they want to pay you, a lot of the times, really terrible salaries for horrible work hours or yeah. excessive work hours and they keep you or stuck in positions. Work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they tell you, you can't do this. You have to, you know, stay in your lane. You can't do this. 
And it was frustrating. And you know, what the heck? We're going to go on our own. We're going to do our own stuff, recognizing the failures in politics. And mm -hmm. granted, we still do a little electioneering, but more so for local, local campaigns and candidates and for ideas. I'm more all about training and branding people. And you more so have helped people politically if you still do politics yeah. from the website angle, visual design angle. Yeah. And that's how we want to contribute to politics there. But I think and we think that it's best to apply our values uh, through the private sector and through the gig economy. So that's right. largely what's motivated us to launch our respective small businesses and help people who are like-minded or at least share some commonalities with us in, in at least one at least one area right. where we have some commonality and you know we've been doing it for about a year and a half and it's proven to be challenging but not entirely fruitless the gig mm -hmm. economy it, it rewards you more so on happiness it allows you more availability to select your clients and to select whom you want to work with your work hours are certainly more flexible doesn't mean you work less or you have less of a work ethic than people, but people our generation in from the 18 to 35 age demographic want to have more choices. And granted, not every millennial can do this. We were just very lucky that we had a network in place. We've had many yeah. years of experience. We've worked ever since we started college. We've worked for close, I've worked for close to a decade. You've worked almost about the same amount of time, internships, non-paid internships, paid jobs, unpaid jobs. We've done it. We know what it is and we know what it is to succeed, to fail to improve, to learn, and to really be a, dri a driving force Yeah. from there. And, and, and we want more people of the same political background or those who believe in free enterprise especially to carve their own path, put their values into action, and go from there. It Would not be nice to see more people oh, yeah. of the like mind succeed? And Absolutely. we do see a lot of companies, especially a lot of startups, you see a lot of startups not started by your typical Silicon Valley, Uber, New York, liberal, young millennial, we see a lot of disruptors in education, the outdoor industry, and religious organizations uh, that are not liberal, that don't lean politically left. And so we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate ingenuity as a whole and companies that are doing really good stuff and highlight the trends that you may not see there and give you guys an insider's take into that. So this past weekend, all the shopping holidays consumed everyone, I can imagine, right? I mean, oh, yeah. in our family, we don't really do Black Friday, these crazy shopping hours. That's not really our style. It's not our interest. And we love free enterprise, and we're big practitioners of markets and market systems. But it just for us, it's not really our wheelhouse, our cup of tea to wake up at ungodly hours and to yeah. go stockpile on new TVs and clothes and everything. A lot of that stuff is very frivolous. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people in our generation, while we do like to invest in gadgets and cool new gear, we want to enjoy experiences. Yeah. However, uh, with all this in mind, I think the right tone, and, and I've actually, today I bought a ticket, my flight ticket to SHOT Show using Cyber Monday deals. I saved mm -hmm. myself like 60 bucks on a round trip ticket. So I do like a lot of the holidays, and I think Cyber Monday is a good balance, let's say to Black Friday. But I would say Small Business Saturday is perhaps the most appropriate post-Thanksgiving shopping holiday in terms of branding, not appearing too crazy, and still sticking in line with free enterprise and, and the local guy, the small business owner. Absolutely. And why do you think Small Business Saturday has taken off? American Express started it. Many people don't know that American Express started this holiday in 2010 
who would have thought that a credit card company could <laughs> could support small business? I think people like to support people that are relatable and yes. are local. I think it's that simple. Yeah, shopping local and shopping small, and, and you see those hashtags everywhere. They're really catchy, very easy to use. And from you know, from a branding specialist perspective, I like when I see people using short but simple hashtags and I'm guilty of using longer hashtags yes but I think the reason why small business Saturday has taken off extraordinarily in the last seven years it's a simple hashtag you see even the president tweeting about it you see big corporations tweeting about supporting small business tech companies everyone is tweeting extensively about small business Saturday and last I checked um, maybe cumulatively they've had like over 12 million mentions across Instagram it has a lot of reach many people mm -hmm. are tweeting about shopping small and there are so many small businesses and in fact even here in Virginia the bulk of businesses that exist here are small businesses and I think this is obviously an indication of people moving into that direction and small business has largely been the basis of this country we have over I believe it's close to 30 million small businesses. The recent records from earlier this year from the Small Businesses Administration shows that there are 29.6 million businesses. And a lot of those are run by millennials. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, startups, it could be a food business, this business, that business. But small businesses comprise nearly half of the current economy. And if certain tax reforms and spending cuts are achieved, I think more people can can start their businesses. A lot of roadblocks blocks to business creation are those pesky regulations and those taxes. And young people, even if they don't believe in free markets in principle, they like having fewer roadblocks to launching their businesses, right? I you would agree, say that you've yeah. seen that with people we've worked with and mm -hmm. clients you've had and, and why small business is successful. It's because it can be unleashed when people are not so constricted by boundaries and constricted by limitations. Would you say, right? Yeah. That's pretty much true for small business. So what do you guys think? What has been your favorite small business? Or tell us your favorite small businesses for, for those of you tuning in. We love hearing all about that. And Small Business Saturday, I hope it continues and mm -hmm. really takes hold more so uh, across the country. And it will. And it, Saturday, Small Business Saturday doesn't have to just be once a year. We should be appreciating small businesses every day, right? Right. Why do you think that? Because it's all local and relatable. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's fun and, and meeting the people who started. They all have unique stories and small businesses do tell great stories. We need more of those storytellers and, and through enterprise you can certainly do that uh, with, with that all going on. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about a dense um, topic. But net neutrality kind of relates, it's, it's a, such a convoluted subject, it's very politically divided, and there's a lot of misinformation about it. And admittedly, we ourselves, like having worked in politics, we found it to be probably the most confusing issue related to internet service providers and free speech and all of this. And for those of you wanting to know more about what net neutrality is in its current standing, net neutrality allows internet service providers to treat all internet data could be your information, your website, whatever, um, the same regardless of the kind, the source, or the destination, meaning that your wireless company can't decide or give preferential treatment to one website or another. And that's kind of a dangerous thing, like how the government can decide winners and losers, right, in terms mm -hmm. of what content can be out there. 
So the reasons why you see a lot of supporters of net neutrality out there, you see a lot of big industry uh, companies like Google and Facebook, Airbnb, some of even the companies we like a lot, unfortunately, politically, they're kind of on the wrong side with respect to net neutrality and they don't understand that what this means as a whole. So supporters of it say that um, websites are going to be blocked, speed, internet speed is going to be much slower, and um, internet is going to be divided into fast and slow lanes if these regulations are not continued. Uh, also, people have said, and I just read, isn't this crazy? People, especially those who are not really in political agreement with us, have said that their social media causes are not going to have equal access to becoming viral because they think net neutrality is going to prevent them from competing with a bigger brand's video because they have more money to put out and all this. Which is false because we don't know what the consequences, or actually we do know what the consequences of lifting these restrictions much like pre-2015 when net neutrality first went into effect. The internet was growing and booming and many people built up their businesses across the internet. So. I don't think the FCC under Chairman Pai is truly going to restrict an open and free internet there. But now they're also arguing that if you don't have net neutrality in place, you're going to have censorship involved across the internet. So how many people, if you tell us below or tell us, watch, uh, listening to us, that the internet, especially a lot of the tech hubs and tech giants, have restricted people with which they disagree politically from tweeting, from posting on Facebook, placing limits. Haven't you seen, like, in the last two years especially, oh, yeah. if you post something that's not agreeable with those in tech companies, and it's not those crazy alt-riders, we don't want to give them credence, but even if you post something conservative, pro-life, pro-free enterprise, pro-Second Amendment, or pro-small government, you could potentially be flagged for content that is dangerous if your opponents don't like it. So what they're currently doing with net neutrality in place is censoring people with which they disagree. So lifting this, I think, is going to mm -hmm. limit censorship from happening. Censorship is already occurring across the internet. What could lifting and freeing the internet from these tactless regulations change? It's going to make it better. There should be less censorship. And more so, in terms of that, when you have net neutrality in place with internet service providers, a lot of the big companies are opposed to it because they think that, well, it's not going to be an equal marketplace for access and they essentially don't want little companies or little ISPs to compete with them in rural areas. How hard has it been? We've heard from people who live in more rural, remote areas to get attention for their businesses, whether it's starting a website, and you've probably encountered this with smaller businesses, that if sure. they're in a less pro or less proactive or less, I would say, um, heightened area where internet broadband activity is high, they're not going to be able to compete with the bigger companies mm -hmm. out there. And that's what makes it so dangerous if you keep the status quo in place. And yes, you may disagree with us on net neutrality and what it means and, and the status of it. But I think we have to, I mean, I've laid out the case why supporters of it want it in place and I've offered, we've offered our views on it, why we think the chairman of the FCC is in the right to uh, vote to change it by December 14th. We, we think it's an interesting topic and we're, you know, as conservatives and free market practitioners, we think entrepreneurs are going to benefit from having fewer restrictions to this 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 policy already placed on the internet. There's already censorship involved. 
uh, it's hard for little guys, little gals to compete, especially on the internet. And we want those people to compete, to be able to get their message out there and to brand. Would you say that would be, that's oh, good. Yeah. And it's a convoluted issue and hopefully we broke it down by more simplistic means and we'll include more articles uh, providing alternative views on net neutrality, but it's, it's a sticky situation and it doesn't have to be, but you have all these policy experts making it so complicated for the average business owner or internet service provider to understand. And that has to stop all these convoluted pieces of legislation have to stop. And hopefully the chairman of the FCC will, will offer some good recommendations and go through with reforming net neutrality. It can't get any worse. It's already been pretty pretty bad in terms of censorship and limiting ways and and all that so innovation should be reintroduced i think to the internet and so that's that's a lengthy subject we know it's a lot um and so people have been um commenting that's awesome great to see that there and we'll respond to your comments shortly after the broadcast if we're not able to do it but we want to segue into some branding tips and kind of what we've been witnessing since we've went on our own and with us being new members of the gig, con gig economy, mm -hmm. fairly new to the gig economy, what would you say you have learned since entering this new economy or this variation of the economy, sis? Sure. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> well, for one, I I was um, you know going through a career change, so that on top of you know becoming a small business owner is challenging. Um, but yeah, I agree with Gabrielle. You have to build up your personal brand, honestly, uh, for one. Um, so, you know, you have to advertise what you're doing for people. So in my case, if I'm doing a complete branding package for somebody, which is what I tend to do, I will, you know, post that work on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and LinkedIn, for example, and also Dribble, which is a social media platform for designers showing their work. Uh, what else? I mean, for me, what I tell people to do is I tell people to never buy their social media followers across all the platforms. That is such a disingenuous move. You're wasting money. You're building up your brand dishonestly, and people are going to find you out. There are methods for people to discover your dishonest tactics, so do not ever buy your followers if you're looking to build up your brand and to have longevity in the gig economy. Oh, yeah. I guess in my case, too, is that... Um the one thing I have been noticing is that businesses or people who don't really have a concrete idea, um, they're going to have a hard time when it comes to identifying their branding goals. So that has made me realize it's really important to work with people who have that ironed out already. Um, it saves me time. It saves me a lot of stress. Spares me from it, actually, and uh, it, it just makes life so much easier. So. Yeah, it's important when you're pitching to consultants like us, you have to have a plan of action. We have to know exactly what you want we from us. We can't guess what you want. No. It's just, it's, it's impossible because, yeah, you have to... You have to tell us what you want or else we can't serve you properly. Yeah, and I think so. there is that miscommunication and a lot of people at the times will settle with these really expensive consultants who charge you six to ten grand retainer fees a month and they do nothing. Right. And then they tell you in kind of, um, they tell you that, well, I don't understand this. They're so confused and they're a little disillusioned by what the consultancy industry does. Mm -hmm. And it's so confusing and we do not make things difficult. We break down stuff. We offer questionnaires. We're and big on transparency. You have to be as a consultant and we're not going to divulge all of our secrets, but we want to give you guys a little glimpse with this towards the end of this show 
a little bit into what we look for when we select clients and what sure. you should look for when you're looking to be matched with a consultant or even if you're trying to look for new clients. I think that's right. so important. We've both certainly have learned and picked up new skills, you would say. Oh, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> used, I used to hate video editing with every shred of my body. I hated it. Like, you were the one who was doing video oh, editing. Yeah. In Congress, yeah. yes. I was editing uh, videos for a member of Congress, but now I don't like that at all, so I'm glad that you're taking the lead on that. Yeah, like, I've, we both have become firm believers in the Adobe Creative Cloud program. Like, you do have to invest a little bit. But it's yeah. such a great, great package of programs. You have Premiere Pro, Lightroom, Photoshop, Illustrator, uh, Illustrator. Adobe XD for yeah. prototyping if you're doing mobile apps or web design. Yeah, and there's so much you can take away from this program. You have to learn it. So in the last year and a half, we both have learned various different new skills. Like I said, video, editing, polishing, filming. Like I've invested in a Canon DSLR camera, which I love using now. And it's been so fun to tweak that and learn that. And you have learned HTML coding and, yeah. and website design and, and navigated coding. And how, how is that? You think more people should well, go into that? Well, I still that? have a lot to learn. <laughs> but you would say I won't that, deny that more um, people are supposed to be, should be seeking out educational opportunities I, in coding, I think right? so. Um, I think that education effort needs to be expanded not only to people of one political persuasion, the one thing I have noticed, let's say, um, with you know organizations like Women Who Code or Skill Crush or whatnot, um, I, I think it's bad when you mix identity politics with um, this type of stuff. Instead, it should just be, the, like, I guess no labels. You know, there, there shouldn't be, it should be open to everybody. Like, it should, people shouldn't just be only sought out for this because they happen to agree with the political views of the person who, yeah, I think who's teaching coding or who's exactly. providing a service. Yeah, the, the whole so. tech industry and just learning about digital things and communications and exploring these mainstream technologies, it shouldn't be limited to one political party. And yes, Democrats do have an upper hand in all these technologies, but conservatives shouldn't be lagging behind. We've been telling people this and... Yeah. I mean, it's not just us, but many have told them you need to adapt and you have to learn or else you can't thrive. And that's why a lot of the times politically you see the culture shift left because they don't have a whole, our side has a terrible time with exploring new technologies, trying new things. Just because we're traditionalists right. doesn't mean you have to abandon your values with exploring these new technologies. You have to be open-minded to seeking out these new technologies to improve your existing brands, your businesses, your causes, etc. Right. And I, I would say from my own experiences, I've realized that there, especially on the cultural level, the people who are on the conservative side aren't engaging people locally no. for one but they're also not supporting the people on the local level with their gifts and talents so i guess in my case you know working for a ad agency where you're dealing with a pretty high profile client you don't really see that much attention um and resources given to people on the local level like small business owners churches nonprofits. so yeah, conservatives need to do a better job of supporting their own locally. I yeah, would say. that's so true. And we've especially learned the value of saying no to clients. Yes. <laughs> do not be afraid to say no. No. Uh, and I would I would say that because you know, if you end up accepting every project um even if it's below your uh, your rates. Um, what you're end, what you're going to end up experiencing is people are going to not treat you well for one, 
But two, if you did do a good job for them, they might refer you as the cheap designer or the cheap media strategist. So mm -hmm. you want to avoid that. Um, and of course, you know, when you're starting out, you're not going to be making a lot of money. It's no. just the reality of the situation. Unless you're a trust fund baby, which <laughs> those do exist. And it's nothing wrong with having support from your parents. But a lot of the times, you, I, I think those who are self-starters tend to appreciate small business and the creation of business and and satisfying their clients and their clientele a lot more than those who've just been simply handed money. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, but, but back to what I was saying mm -hmm. about rates, um, you know, eventually you will raise them as you get more experience Correct. and your skills improve as well. But, um, in general though, you should be selective. And uh, that not only goes down to money, but too, like if you're not interested in the project, don't, don't really waste your time doing it. Uh, I, I can attest to that in my own experiences that I've taken on work that, oh, maybe it would have been nice to do because, you know, there's the money there. But um, in the end, I was it didn't really help with my goals um, or my direction. So that's mm -hmm. also really important, too, is you need to make sure any work you're taking on is leading you in that right direction with your career goals. Absolutely. I so. wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> and Anna Maria stated it perfectly. And I think the, probably one of the more important things, too, is yes. always backing up your work with a contract. Do not forget that. No. Especially, <laughs> like, you you don't have to be a lawyer to draft your own contract. No, you that's, don't. That's something, like, we realized we, it's not just because we're, we're special or whatever. But you no, can there's Google plenty and of learn. resources out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're doing design or web development, there's plenty of free templates out there that you can use. You don't have to worry about um, potentially stealing something. They're available for free. And they offer all the provisions and clauses that you need in your contract to make sure people respect you um, and are following, you know, the... The, the guidelines that, that you've you set have, apart. Yeah. It's supposed to be mutually beneficial. It's supposed to give a timestamp as to when you're compensated. Yeah. It should it's, be very clear. You should have, um, especially you should have protection clauses in mm -hmm. there. Uh, and I would say that's really important for design. You know, if you're, if you're working on a logo, for example, like you're not responsible for trademark research because you're the designer. Yeah. Um, for one. But yeah, in case, unfortunately, in case in the event that, you know, you might have to go to court with somebody... It's good to have an airtight, ironed-out contract because then that protects you um, in, in many ways. Um, so it, it's just the more information you have out there in your agreement um, in your contract with the with the person you're planning to work with, the, the safer you're going to be. It's that simple. Yes. And most of all, we always tell people if they... Because people have asked us, well, how the heck can you become a consultant? Like, what's the biggest piece of advice you recommend? When you're doing all this, you have to go into it with passion and excitement because you're this, you're making a career out of this you're supposed to have oh, yeah. fun you can't go into this expecting you're going to be rich you're going to be famous no. you're going to get this accolade or that accolade not at all you want to have fun and you want to satisfy your clients and make people succeed and i love seeing and hearing back from old clients that they've been able to grow their presence or they've made more money as a result of this branding tactic right. or they've been able to appeal to more people because we worked over strategies or or something as simple as creating a schedule, like a content calendar. I always recommend those for clients. So you guys can talk to me if you have questions about that too. But even just hearing the little successes that clients attain the little hurdles they mm -hmm. climb with your help should yeah. be the most gratifying thing you as a media strategist or you as a visual designer or whatever, you as a consultant 
point blank. Yeah, it should be so satisfied of. It doesn't matter what your pay scale is. Obviously, you want you'll be able to make the salary you want if you become really good. You polish your skills and sell yourself really well and honestly. But you want to enjoy it and you want to make people happy. That's what it is to provide services. I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I decided to get into my line of work is because I I enjoy being of service to others. And if you can get compensated for what you're passionate about doing, uh, it's even better. Um, So, I yeah, I definitely agree. And it's really neat to see, um, yeah, how your work has helped to impact your client. Um, So, for example, I I did like a vector illustration of St. Polycarp for the St. Polycarp uh, Publishing House. And so it was really neat to see... You know, that eventually put in their online store to be sold on merchandise like tote bags, t-shirts, and mugs. So it's just it's just those those instances where you can really see how your work is um, paying off. It's it's really exciting. Nice. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And we've had some shared clients and we have our own autonomous mm-hmm. clients, but absolutely what we can gather combining our forces is seeing that people do want the help that that help is out there and they want they want to be clearly communicated with and they need that help a lot of small businesses don't have the money to shell out and understandably but i think if you understand and budget yourself for consulting services from either of us especially and you'll have to debate this regardless of which consultant you go with Mm -hmm. in your state or in your jurisdiction you need to budget yourself and you're going to have to spend a little bit to get to get a return on your investment. I, I agree with exactly what you're saying. Yeah. For example, I've had I've had people come to me for logo designs that don't understand, you know, it can't be like $200, $100 for a type of project no. like that. Uh, because there's a lot that goes into it from, you know, uh, finding uh, ideas and doing your research, sketching, um, presenting those iterations that you're going to show your client eventually. And, uh, yeah, preparing the deliverables as well, like full stationary business cards, um, all that stuff. So that's, that's, for me, that's been kind of frustrating to see that some people do not understand, um, you know, it could be a pretty good deal that I'm offering, for example, for a lot. Um, so that, just back to what you were saying, Gabrielle, about understanding yes. your business, being serious about your business, um, it, it matters. And plus, like... People who are consultants, like they should, they should definitely be compensated for the time and talent that they provide. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's freelance doesn't mean free labor. No. And uh, I, I do think that there's a stigma against people who um, tout the freelance who uh, go, go into the gig economy. Yeah. much like we were talking yeah. about earlier in this episode. Yeah. So do be aware of that if you are planning to get into freelancing. You need to. Overcome the stigmas. Right. Don't get deterred. Be aware of the culture that's present, yes. but don't get sucked into it or no. think that you have to, you know, do meager. Uh, no, there's a good balance you can stuff. strike yeah. when you're a consultant, and we've seen that. And and I think anyone can see that who goes into it and really starts to hustle uh, in yeah. their craft. So this has been a very fun first episode, and <laughs> you know, like anything that we're going to work upon and improve upon some stuff. We want to hear your feedback as to what you would like to see, but we're going to have guests and other cool segments uh, in the future, and we're going to broadcast, post this all over the place, and and, uh, we want to involve you all, too. So let us know if you ever have any questions or comments, and you'll be able to find us across other publishing platforms like iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place, so you can't miss us. And this has been a fun first episode. Don't you agree, Annie? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are going to, we're going to do our best to broadcast every Monday. But now that's the holiday season, so we There's made a little There's going to be lag. a few Mondays we're yeah. going to miss, um, but we should all enjoy the holiday season. Yeah, so. and we'll be on vacation one of those weeks, so we we don't want to interfere with vacation as well. So we'll let you know when we have interrupted broadcasts or no episodes. But yeah. please follow Sweet Disruptors all across social media if you haven't already. You can find us all across those platforms I mentioned. And subscribe across all those various different platforms like SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And we will see you all next One week. One more thing to mention. Yes, sis. <laughs> so uh, we will also be posting, I guess, graphics that... Yes. Well, yes, graphics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, advertising the topics that we'll yes. be discussing. Like, Today we've just been very busy. And yeah. <laughs> like anything, everything's a work in progress when you start something new. But we will foreshadow the topics prior to each episode. Yeah, yeah. You'll see social media graphics mm -hmm. out there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with our topics yeah so. prior to the episode so yeah look out for those and we'll see you all on december 4th that's yeah. the next episode so stay tuned for december 4th episode we're going to talk about an event we're going to where liberty meets tech and some other really cool exciting things so you have much to look forward to on next week's episode yep. <laughs> all right everyone have a good week have and good thank evening. you for tuning to the sweet disruptors where we give you a sweet spin to creative disruption Hoffman sisters checking out. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>